The Tag Team Podcast is now on Alexa via the Inipod app. To use just say, Alexa, open Inipod. Inipod, at your service. Ask me to play a podcast. Play the Tag Team Podcast. Now playing the Tag Team Podcast. You're listening to the Tag Team Podcast. The podcast that is a WWE Network companion. Currently covering 1985 WWF Tuesday Night Titans. And now here are your Tag Team Podcast hosts, Jeff Jones and John Burke. Greetings. Welcome to the Tag Team Podcast. I'm John Burke. Welcome indeed. I am Jeff Jones. So there's new stuff on the WWE Network. Do tell. They've added new classic content is what they're calling it. And it's basically old WWF Coliseum video. They're calling it Home Video Classics. What does that entail? It entails of 10 episodes currently. We're going all over the place. We start off April 1985. I'm guessing this is the date the video that was released. We go into May, May 16th. Then we skip ahead a year, June 6th, 1986. The next one's February 27th, 1989. Next one's February 27th, 1991. Next one's March 28th, 1991. Next one's July 30th, 1991. Next one after that's October 3rd, 1991. Next one after that's August 27th, 1992. And currently the last last one that's up in this category is June 24th, 1993. So for us, pretty much all of them are future. But April 12th, 1985 is not too far from where we're at. So I thought I would give one of them a watch. The first one that's up there is entitled Bloopers, Bleeps, and Body Slams. And I'm about 40 minutes, 20 minutes into it, somewhere in there. And a lot of TNT on there that we've already covered. Not too much giveaway, but guess what they did have so far that I've found? A mailbag? Nope. They did have some Lovelorn segments, though. Albano, <laughs> Blassies. But they had the Kamala thing, so... Oh, sweet. Yeah, they kind of jumped on it, though, so don't get your hopes too high up. But you do see when Kamala came out there, the chicken, Kamala going after it, per se, and then they come back, and Kamala has some feathers around his mouth. So I don't know if that was the entire original clip or if that was the condensed version of what actually happened. Oh, the 80s. Yes, the 80s. So anyone that has the network, I don't think these will be on YouTube, but they might. They're pretty lengthy. The blue Bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, an hour and 18 minutes long. Set aside some time if you're going to watch that. But a lot of it so far had some TNT on it. There's been a couple of matches with Andre and Don Morocco that didn't show on TNT. And then there was a Tiger Chung Lee thing where he's breaking bricks. That wasn't what he did on TNT. It was another version of that. And Gorilla Monsoon has a story behind that of what went wrong and why it went wrong. Good stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a special episode. So either recapping maybe one come April, or maybe we'll just throw out little tidbits every now and then. Let's feed them a little bit by little bit. There you go. That's how you went over an audience. That's, that's right. Keep them guessing. Exactly. Well, it was definitely some interesting news. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. I was just cruising it, seeing what came out recently, because every episode they're advertising something at the end of Raw, usually only Raw. They don't really say anything on SmackDown about tune in after this, the network, because SmackDown's all about 205 Live. But yeah, 
so i stumbled upon that and thought i'd give it a, a watch didn't really know what to expect on there because they don't give any type of here's what you're gonna see it's just here's the date and here's what the title of it was i imagine there's probably some spoilers on youtube you can probably look up the title and i'll tell you all what's on it or review or something i'm glad to see my nine dollars and 99 cents going just a little further nowadays yeah between the tag team podcast and that i think we got you covered get your money's worth Wait. well for me I, for once i don't really have too much going on just kind of keeping it low under the radar nothing wrong with going undercover best way to be yes every now and then and with that let's recap some podcasts previously on the tag team podcast was february 22nd 1985 we opened the show with vince and lord alfred hayes at the home of hillbilly jim i should say barn not so much home stage 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 barn home Uh, next up, we go to a video of Hulk Hogan doing hopefully his final session of training with Hillbilly Jim. And he has some specialized pre-workout that Hulk Hogan doesn't care for. To that, they finally go back to the original TNT set to interview Jim Neidhart before he got with Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation and his manager, Mr. Fuji. We also go to a match with Neidhart with Mr. Fuji. Next, we have the infamous interview with Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo and Lou Albana with the mob of girls stripping and manging queens with young guys. And then we cut to a match and very important match mind you is how they won the tag team titles I'll leave you the audience to look that up to see how they did it after that we go back home with Hillbilly Jim and Grandma Kim there they are dining on very very fine cuisine and some of Alfred's favorite white wine while they are there oddly enough Swede Hanson joins a join in the mill and we find him in a match against SD Jones and that my friends was episode 20 23 on February 22nd of 1985. And as of this recording, March 1st, 1985, episode 24 was not on YouTube. Definitely not. Could not find it. Yes, I even checked Daily Motion and also No Go. Hi, I am Bosley and I am here with Hulk Hogan. Hulk, thanks for being part of this promo for the new Tag Team Podcast Shop campaign. Sure, no problem. For each shirt or item sold, a portion goes to the Tag Team Podcast to help fund the web bandwidth cost. We have shirts starting at $24.49. Wow, that's unbelievable. If we sold all those shirts, where's my percentage? Hulk, you don't get a percentage. Some of the money goes to the Tag Team Podcast since they are their shirts. Those are my shirts. I've got a right to sell them. Do you want to cash me outside how about that? That's not what I want. Look, man, I made a mistake. I apologize. I was a real horse's ass. That's what I thought. To visit the Tag Team Pod Shop, go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the Tag Team Pod Shop, all one word, or click on the link in the description of this podcast or on the side of the web page. Do it, brother. I guess I blew that one. It's okay, Hulk. Our listening audience are used to it. That's for damn sure. Recapping the 24th episode of Tuesday Night Friday Titans, March 1st, 1985. First out, Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and Freddie Blassie. Before they come out, Vince is all excited and talks about Boatman Returns. And out to my boat, Salvatore Belomo is back here with a boat that he has finally completed, and he's been building it for, I would suggest, some six to eight months now. I'd note, you should never take six to eight months to build a magazine boat. 
boat when you can build real boats in six months to one year. Just saying. It's good advice. Back to the Sheik and Volkov. You know, I always want to go on a magic carpet ride, and I'll be damned if Freddy Vasti didn't make it happen. Yes, they come out and decide TNT needs a makeover. It needs to go east side and eastern style setup. He's tired of them couches. You know, floor's better than couch, of course. Yes, coffee table has no presence in the eastern culture. Get rid of that. Put out this rug. Bring some pillows. Look awkward and sit on the floor. And Nikolai Volkov is overdressed or as he says he is wearing his summer russian coat he's warm it's February. he's fine Freddie goes on a rant. He talks about Lou and how he's not happy about his recent face turn. And basically, I talked about that a little bit in episode 22. Not everyone's happy about Lou and his new look on life and support of charities like MS and not doing what he normally does. Indeed, he's saying that Lou is a little strange and that something's wrong with him, with him being able to understand the language that Cindy Lauper uses. Talking to that pipsqueak that ding-a-ling that cindy lauper i can't understand one word that goof says she talks for 15 minutes and i can't understand her and now when captain lou says he can understand her you know something's wrong with him yes ladies and gentlemen he claims that he can't understand cindy lauper but he can decode the iron sheik allahu akbar allahu akbar allahumma salla ala muhammad wa ala muhammad it's against me i'll have to get with you later on that one okay written transcript please email yeah. the tag team podcast at tag team podcast most definitely they go on to show a match with sheik and volkov versus sd jones and the partner of the week rick mcgraw they're gonna wrestle up in canada with jack reynolds and angela mosca doing some commentating and one way you can tell we're in canada and not in the US of A. Besides the broadcast team that's there, crowd's not yelling USA. They're yelling Russia sucks. Russia sucks. Yeah, I guess they had to choose. Yep. Make sure you get the right chance going when you're in Canada. Wouldn't make any sense for them to start yelling USA. So I did notice to start this match, McGraw must have seen WCW or World Championship Wrestling and noticed that when SD Jones starts a match, his partners don't get in too often. So McGraw starts off this match so to make sure that he actually gets in the match. I was going to say, it's probably a good thing he did. Yeah, that's the only way you're going to get in most of the time. So this match doesn't take too much inside the ring. It happens a lot outside the ring. It starts going. She goes out mid-match goes over to Mosca starts threatening him not really sure why but he decides to threaten him and I got a little clip of that I just love Jack Reynolds on that call. What's he punching me for? I have no idea. <laughs> My conspiracy theory is he knew he was going to mess up on his move and not know that it was the camel clutch and Jack Reynolds had to correct him. But that's just my theory. Think somebody put a bug in his ear? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> she goes on to submit McGraw and the camel clutch and Moscow charges the ring afterwards. And I'm guessing there was some storyline there that we hadn't seen any payoff of yet. Maybe we will in a future episode. Or maybe it'll just fade away into oblivion. You never know. Did you see our Where's Hillbilly today? I believe I did. He 
got a little quick glance. He was only on there for a blink of an eye, but they did show him, and he still has his good front row seats. Thank you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Definitely. So they go back on set. They do a little interviews with Volkoff. He doesn't think that U.S. Express, better known as Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, deserve the titles. Do not think they've earned it and that they stole it instead. And this also prompts Iron Sheik to start talking about past tag teams. And I thought this clip was a little funny as well. If you and Mary Chan remember, we had a Marine man. No more Marine man. We had another hot duty. No more hot duty. Now, <laughs> now they bring young American. They call him all American boys. They call him all American, uh, whatever, born in um, USA. But look at my partner. Look at the Russian man. I hope you American have enough education. Go in the library. Found out about Russia. Found out about the oldest country in the world, Persia, and no name. Now I'm happy. My manager, Mr. Blasi, said, Sheik, don't worry about nothing. We're going to get that tag team belt and uh, Nicola, myself. And after that, we want to know what can an American young born USA have a guts to come get it from us or no? Young American boys. Yes, that's what they want to be called. <laughs> yes. Then Tony Greer will be looking for him. They did claim that the referee was biased. Yes, Marine men. Take yeah. that, Terry Daniels. And I did look up Persia, and they have great donuts. I awesome. love those things. So after Mr. Iron Sheik's rant there, they go on to another break and the studio promptly calls the tag team of Nikolai and Sheik Blasty's Boys. So I think I'm going with that going further. I like that name. Yeah, I do too. Blasty's Boys. B&B. They come back. They start talking about American foods. Volkov and Sheik compare juice to colas and fresh food in Russia to refrigerated food here in the U.S. And Volkov is nice enough to show us how they make Russian apple juice. Yeah. Not much there, folks. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't think you can drink uh -huh. that. It's very chunky. Little juice, major mess. Yes. Just think Mark Henry style, and you guys will know what we're talking about here. Next up on set, the first ever lady referee for the WWF, Rita Marie. And she said she's doing this to live her brother's dream. To be a wrestler, she decided that being a ref would be more suiting for her than being a wrestler. That brings us into a match with Blackjack Mulligan versus Moondog Spot. And we'll put some pictures up on Facebook to show why he's called Moondog Spot. <laughs> yes. Several times throughout this match, they will let you know this is the first lady ref to ref a match. On commentating, we got Mean Gene and Gorilla Monsoon, and I think it was about the 22 minute and 25 second mark, over a minute from when the bell actually rang for them to finally lock up between Mulligan and Mr. Moondog Spot, so that was kind of a nice tribute to Paul Orndorff. Paul Spot that won't none of Blackjack. I didn't realize how big he was. Yeah, he's like 6 or something. He's big and compared to four moon dog, which is what five seven he looked. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like six foot, and yeah, compared to that six eight, six nine guy, he looks ridiculous. So in this match, we have Gorilla Monsoon a couple of times reminding us of what concussions do, talking about how he can't remember stuff thanks to being knocked so hard. He has a hard time remembering stuff. So for signs of concussions aren't a good thing, no stingers. But do you remember the winner of the 
this match. The winner. We don't know. Oh, that's right. That's the winner. Basically, they just wanted to show, hey, look, we had a lady refereeing a match, and here's the proof, but we're not going to show you the wins. I'm guessing Blackjack Mulligan, because he's probably higher up on this card than Moondog Spot in singles competition. So I'm going to say he wins. That's a safe bet. Back on set, Rita mentions her brother's other accomplishments, like being a truck driver, and she too was a truck driver, and Squeaky Door returns at the 25-24 mark as she starts naming off some of the stuff that she's done. And it ends with Vince hoping that she sticks around a while. Yes. Take one oh soon, why? Yes, I think we will. We had a very ugly incident. What the hell's wrong with you? That's open hand slap, huh? Damn, come back. We're gonna cut you. He's alright, he's just sleeping. Some listeners may find the following clip disturbing. Parental discretion is advised. Educate. 17 years ago, after a former World Wrestling Federation referee claimed on Geraldo Rivera's syndicated TV show that Vince McMahon had sexually assaulted her. This is the clip. I had sex with him and satisfied him, or I went nowhere. And that was blacklist. First time you walk down past a newsstand and see your face on Time Magazine. Um, there's all kinds of money to be made here. You know, you're looking at like a half a million dollar a year contract and on and on and on. Rita Marie is the only player in the WWF scandal to level charges of sexual harassment directly at McMahon. Vince unzipped his pants and he took my hand and he kept putting my hand on his, on his pants. He started telling me that uh, he knew I didn't have a job. I had left Frito-Lay because of him. He knew that I had a daughter and that he could either make me or break me. The choice was mine. And he made me have oral sex with him. And he started to get really excited. And I pulled away. And he got really angry and said that it was worth a half a million dollars a year. And when I said no, he said that I'd better satisfy him. And he started pulling my pants off. And he pulled me on top of him. And he satisfied himself through intercourse. That's part of our world tonight. Very high allegations, ladies and gentlemen. Not that there's not enough of that going around as it is. Reading a little more into this, not too much. We'll post some links so you guys can decide. It was known that whenever the accusations were brought up, Vince McMahon sued Geraldo and other television people that wanted to bring this up and make it public. And they pretty much attempted to blackmail Vince McMahon to say, hey, you give us the sum of $5 million sounds good. We will shut her up and we will pretend nothing happened. And Vince McMahon says, nope, I don't play your game. I'll see you in court. I think as recent as 2010, it was still being brought up every once in a while. But yeah, it's weird. It's he said, she said the only two people that know would be one of them. I would have to think since he did actively go after them and not want to pay. And she is still on the network. Unlike some other people that we know had accusations brought against them. I would have to assume maybe they weren't as true as some of the other stuff that we know is true. Moving on. Yes. Next up. We have Dr. D, David Schultz, and he's on the show, and he doesn't care what fans think anybody thinks. 
He's good. Doesn't care what Vince thinks. Doesn't care what Alfred thinks. Unfortunately, Vince doesn't care what we think and plays the Paul Vachon wedding clip. Yes. This time they highlight the part where David Schultz puts the bride's face in cake. Because David Schultz likes cake, she's going to eat it anyway. Definitely. Then we come back to David Schultz's old discussion on how he's not to be crossed. And pulls out a gun. Waves it around. Sadly enough. Says it's not loaded. You don't play no games. But Vince can't touch it because he don't trust Vince. Vince doesn't know anything about guns, according to David Schultz. <laughs> and Lord Alfred Hayes don't know anything about guns and can't even afford guns. Then we go to a match, and it's David Schultz for Steve Brooklyn Brawler Lombardi. Would you like to guess who's on commentating? Well, it's not Vince McMahon. Nope. If my memory serves me correctly, it's probably not. I want to say it was Gorilla Monsoon. We're still in Canada. It's Jack Reynolds and Angelo Mosca. Fantastic. I'll get it one day. David Schultz apparently is now managed by Bobby the brain heenan but heenan did not come out on set on tnt i guess he didn't want to be shot at basically this one starts outside the ring and it's just an old school table beaten he's actually the first wrestler to actually throw somebody out of the ring and then follow him out to use the outside of the ring to his advantage versus talking to the crowd they scuffle around and they end at a table but this isn't a 21st century or 1990s attitude table this is a solid desk table and and table versus wrestler, table wins. I am the table! Or Lombardi gets a back full of table that's about, I don't know, three inches thick and it doesn't break. Every time. <laughs> Jack Reynolds is outraged that they got and interfered with his WWF World Wrestling Federation microphones. We eventually get back into the ring, and shocking enough, Dr. D, David Schultz, wins with a flying elbow smash for the win. A very devastating move. Yes, he turns his whole body, I think, in this one. On set, we still got Dr. David Schultz, and he doesn't care if Vince likes him or not, and he pulls out the gun, and they break, and then come back to talk to him about John Stossel. We also saw recently a prime example of what you did to a, I would suggest, a 150-pound announcer by the name of John Stossel, who uh, worked for ABC. And what you did to him, my goodness, you just slapped the, the, almost slapped the skin right off his face. Do you have any remorse for that? <laughs> Must have been a boy, because I slapped him with an open hand, baby. I slapped him to teach him a lesson. Just like you. If you get too cocky, I'll slap you plumb out of the chair. Is that right? Yes, I will. Because I don't care you, Vince McMahon. See, I don't care. Are you either Lord Alfred Hayes? I'll jump on you just like a, uh, uh, I can't say here on television. But don't cross me, okay? I wonder if they use that in the John Stossel testimony when he was in court. Your witness. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Exhibit A. Exactly. I'm sure it passed around. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the tag team podcast. On Twitter, at tag team. On Google Plus, tag team podcast. Or email us, at the tag team podcast at gmail.com. Or on the tagline leave us a voicemail. 6016544 tag that's 6016544824. Back on set, they go to the Dr. D. David Schultz gun room, and he takes us to school with his knowledge of guns. This is such a dumb idea. <laughs> I don't know whose idea this was to even remotely... I, I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. Dr. D shows us his collection, which I think was about two guns on the wall. I think there was two or three in the gun cabinet, so we're going with about five guns. He ended up explaining some to Vince. Vince asked him if the guns ever go off accidentally, because if he forgets that they're loaded. Dr. D states that he never forgets when they're loaded or unloaded. He has a good memory, and he treats guns with respect, and he knows if his guns are loaded or not. He asked Vince a couple times if he wants to touch the gun, and Vince always politely declines, except for one time, and Dr. D says, no, you're not touching my gun. You don't know anything about guns, so he doesn't let him touch it. And Lord Alfred Hayes doesn't like guns, period, because he's from England, and they don't have guns over there, so he doesn't want anything to do with it. They go to the first gun, which we're just told is the same gun they use in Vietnam. They go to another gun, which is like a high-power rifle, and he says, that with that gun he can light a match from 200 yards away says he's an excellent shot they show an automatic shotgun and Vince actually knows what that gun is and says he does have some experience with that one but they never elaborate or David had never asked him any more questions on it they show an old gun that has a flint lock and then I think they had one more gun on there I think it also was a rifle but I could be mistaken on that one sounds about right I'm no knowledge gun person yeah I also don't have any knowledge whatsoever. So on one of the guns that he's showing off, I believe it's another shotgun type, he's saying it's not loaded and Vin says, how can you always be sure if they're loaded or not? He says, here, I'll show you. And it goes off. And we'll have a gift of this Kodak moment on our Facebook if anyone wants to check it out. They have a new moonlight in that area now. Yes, the stage (laughs) will never be the same. Definitely not. And I believe that's where Chris Jericho coined the phrase stupid idiot, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's what Vince calls him. Calls him a stupid idiot. And it ends up freaking out Alfred and Vince. And Vince is basically just yelling at him. And I think David Schultz had enough. And goes for the gun that he said was loaded, because we see the clip in it. And starts porting it. And all of a sudden, Vince backs off and says, "Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, yeah, everyone's cool. No need to get that. And we go to commercial. Just a tip for everybody at home. Don't piss off a guy with a gun. Especially when his second career is bounty hunting. Yes, especially that. Back on set, Vince is quick to tell us that Dr. G. David Schultz has left. And up next, Boatman! And out to my boat! Salvatore Belomo is back here with a boat that he has finally completed and he's been building it for, I would suggest, some six to eight months now. Six to eight months now. Salvatore actually tells us how long he was building the boat and and it ends up that he tells us it was started December 27th, 1983, and he finished February 1st, 1985. Reminder that real boats could have been made in this time frame. And in a bottle. Yes. It does appear they finally got wise and mic'd up Salvatore. He is amped up, and pretty much you can hear him the whole interview. Sometimes when probably wishes that you couldn't hear him because he messes up some of his words and vocabulary since English is not his first language. Language. Yes, it was a much better interview than most, well, any of his interviews. You could hear the, the fader going up. 
when they were amplifying <laughs> how you can definitely hear the difference he just needs to pull it together so this leads us into a jip salvatore blumbo versus everybody's favorite ecw trainer johnny Roz. we got mean gene and gorilla monsoon on commentary of course the jip is him getting body slammed first and foremost <laughs> yeah i was like oh we're going again yeah they start off the jip <laughs> with salvatore getting the crap eat out of him because we missed the first 20 minutes where he was kicking the snot out of johnny Ross. Huh. but <laughs> gorilla once again comments on the side effects of wrestling for 20 some years and this making it hard for gorilla to have trouble getting started in the mornings once again the signs are there that wrestling is bad for you yes the match ends in an awkward as i like to call dump drop slam and johnny Roz runs and bounces and i got the gift it's hard to describe he goes off the ropes goes about a foot and a half jumps five feet away and tries to do a body splash and misses and this leads to the momentum that salvatore needs to turn this match around johnny Roz throws him into the turnbuckle salvatore climbs it does a reverse flying body press and gets the one two three and boatman wins his first match that i can remember where he's actually in the audience and we see why his mom and boatman dad are both in the audience possibly with some grandchildren or nieces and nephews i think the kids in front were also part of the Blumbo clan so after that they never make any mention of his parents being there on the tnt set but we go back to the studios to, so boatman can show off his boat which is coincidentally set up on a music turntable mm-hmm. music box so that it can play america and rotate as it shows off all the wrestlers that are on there and magazine clippings that he used to trim up the boat and make it the first ever wwf world wrestling federation vote which apparently he's not good at saying world wrestling federation symbolizing the uh the world wrestling federation ship is there a name for her yes the world the world world for Wrestling Federation. Federation is the name of the ship. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) What's this company I'm wrestling for again? (laughs) I don't know. I just keep losing. Yep. He goes on the closeout saying that he makes boats and he plans to keep making them for handicap, which I found hilarious. But then he clarifies and he's going to sell the boats and give the money towards the handicap, not make boats for handicap people. And I intend to build some ships to donate to our handicapped people or uh, raise some money for handicapped people. This is my... Sal it's an honor to have you. <laughs> and they close out. I was hoping he was donating boats to handicapped people for instead of wheelchairs, but now at last he clarifies. So, did you notice anything in this episode? I noticed they said that they were going to Dr. D's house where he had his guns. All right, back with Dr. D, David Schultz, Lord Alfred Hayes, and here in your gun room. Yes, you are correct, sir. And then after the segment, they say, well, I feel safer now that he has left the studio. And Mr. Schultz has left the premises, and Lord Alfred Hayes, I, for one, am glad of him leaving the premises. Hmm. 
Mordian slip, but yes, and there will be pictures on our Facebook to show they were indeed conspiracy theories running wild that either scenario A, Dr. D lives with Granny Kim and Hillbilly Jim, which I like to think is true, because if you look to Alfred's left in one shot, and when Dr. D pulls the gun, the wallpaper from Granny Kim's kitchen is behind the wooden paneling. So I like to think that Dr. D lives with Granny Kim and that his wife got the house after the divorce when we saw him in the first episode. However, I am not sure if he has his own bedroom or if him and Hillbilly Jim have to share bunk beds. Scandalous. Yes. Oh, I'm sure she's on the floor. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Didn't share anything. I think she sleeps out in the barn. <laughs> Did you happen to notice anything else on that set that might have looked a tad familiar? Um, oh, you know, no, no disrespect to the chic <laughs> by any means, but for this Persian rug to cost so much money, you just leave it laying around. I think that's the only thing I've seen. Yeah, or you sell it to Granny Kim. <laughs> yeah. Or possibly Schultz bought it to furnish his homestead. <laughs> yes, I did notice the rug was there. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Looks familiar. Yes, furnishing provided by Iron Sheik. <laughs> so yeah, reuse, recycle. That's what they do on TNT set. As expensive as it was, I guess they should. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get our money's worth for this. It's going to be in 12 more segments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I noticed that for sure, and maybe some outfit changes there for Vince, or maybe this episode related back to the last episode where he's wearing that same plaid jacket, and they just mm-hmm. should have put that interview after Nyhart and with this. But at any rate, do you have any history for us? I do indeed. We begin classic historical figures you'll remember way more clearly than whatever you were taught in history class. Breakdown of big events that shaped pop culture. 1985 is one of the most important years. It was Friday, under the sign of Pisces. U.S. President was Ronald Reagan, still supporting the Republicans. Famous people born on this day, Jay Lehman and Andres Otto. In that special week of March, people in the U.S. were listening to Careless Whispers by Wham! And in the U.K., I Know Him So Well by Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon. I hope American tastes change soon. You and me both. Jay Lehman. Jeremy J. Lehman is a former American football linebacker. He played college football at the University of Illinois when he was recognized as a consistent All-American. No Jack Swagger, but pretty close. We the people! Yeah, I never heard of him. Don't know how he did in the NFL. No idea. Better than not hard, I guess. Yes, for sure. Practice squad. Andreas Otto is a German football player who plays as a defensive midfielder. He is currently a free agent, and he signed his first professional contract for Boehner Munchent on July 1st, 2005. He also played for Germany's U21 team. That is history, as they say. And this episode is also history. Coming up next time, we got Rowdy Rowdy Pike. Piper, Junkyard Dog, and Fabulous Moolah. What do you want? You keep touching my leg. Thank you for downloading. Remember, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell your friends of your family. Download, download, download. Thank you for listening to the Tag Team Podcast. Join Jeff and John next week as they continue to break down WWF Tuesday Night Titans. Over the years, you you get hit so many times, you you start to lose something like this. Sometimes I can't remember a lot of things, my hearing. And in this particular instance, 
you lose a little bit of sense of smell, which is gratifying at this particular moment.